We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you pretty much know where to follow me and Chris. If not, you know where to follow me, at least because I'm verified. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right. We're recording a day after the Seahawks Sunday night loss at the Pittsburgh Steelers because I had to sleep. Sorry, guys. It was late. That game didn't end until about 11 o'clock Eastern, if not later, because between all those reviews and then Daryl Taylor, speedy recovery to DT. Uh, so it was late. So coming a day later to you, it's all right. You're probably still angry. We know you got questions because <laughs> we got a bunch of those. Thank you for the love on those. Yes. Um, it was very, very uh, entertaining night for the back-to-back uh, primetime. The Seahawks, again, show why you should not flex the Seahawks out of a game. Even if the game on paper looks terrible, the Seahawks are going to, like, make it entertaining. Like, objective viewers probably watch that, like, oh, this is fun. This football thing, this is cool. Like, even though it was Geno Smith versus Big Ben for the quarterbacks, <laughs> in general, as a game, I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty entertaining. Uh, but the Seahawks lost. They're 2-4. and four. It's doom and gloom. Um, and the first thing I want to start with is the quarterback. Chris, that was our first time. We have never done a post-game pod. Well, yeah, we have never done a post-game regular season podcast where Russell Wilson did not play. That's crazy now that I think about it. Yeah, never. There's a lot of a lot of people, um, I'm sure, it, most people listening to us probably got into the Seahawks before 2012, but there's probably a good portion of the fan base that really does not remember life before Russ like that, or it's not fresh in their brain. Welcome back, folks. Russell Wilson is very good, and he matters. And this is not to say that Geno Smith did not perform... What's the word? What's a good adjective? Decent? Okay? I think decent is perfect. Serviceable, capable. Like, Geno Smith looked like who Geno's been in his nine-year career. He can make some throws. He can make some plays. He'll make some mistakes. As just, I mean, he's got more career interceptions, I think, than, than touchdowns. Like, he's going to be a guy that's going to make some mistakes. He's going to make some throws. Um, going to need some help from both sides of the ball to really consistently be a winner. Um but you know what's been kind of interesting is it feels like Geno's already won over like 
the fan base. You know, like this this guy, and I, I tweeted his uh his comments after the game. Um, I'm gonna run down his numbers real quick. Uh, his raw numbers, in case anyone's curious, Gino was 23 of 32 for 209 yards passing. He threw one touchdown. It was a one yard uh, throw to Will Disley. Yeah, it was. A uh, passer rating of 99.6. If you are curious, he ranked 18th among qualifying quarterbacks in offensive EPA this week. Um, that's expected points added and advanced metric measures like efficiency and stuff. Uh, that's not counting the Monday night game. Who plays tonight? Buffalo versus somebody not good. Oh, the Titans. Titans. There Actually, we go. Thank you. First place in the division. Should so be a fun one. Yeah. Um. So Gino was 18th, so it doesn't count Tannehill or uh, Josh Allen. He was Gino was 19th league wide just for this week in EPA per play, which is another efficiency metric. So a little below average. Again, not counting two quarterbacks. Um. And this doesn't count guys who are on a bye. Jimmy G, Trey Lance, um, Saints run a bye. I think. Uh, he was 16th in yards per attempt, not average, 12th in passer rating. So, like, decent. Decent. The Geno Smith game. Geno's what probably going to be that every week. But you just brought up a good question just now, Chris. What did you just say? What did I just say? You said, what <laughs> more do you want? Ah, there we go. Yeah, what you more do you want? to win the game. Well, that's key. You have <laughs> to win. I was outside the locker room in Pittsburgh a player was waiting to do his, uh, I think it was a TV interview. Uh, I said, good game, because I'm just polite like that. This particular player, I thought, did play well. Shook my hand. He said, thank you. He said, man, we ain't win, though. Because that's what matters at the end of the day. And I think that seeing Gino in these last couple games in the clutch, it illustrates the difference here. <sighs> it illustrates why you pay a guy like Russ. It does. This is why. Because Russ is a winner. Named, Russ finds a way. He named his son Win. He's got 31 regular season uh, game-winning drives, I believe. Um, Crazy. Which I think leads the league since he came in 2012. Pretty sure. Uh, that's a lot. It's a lot of game-winning drives. A lot of fourth-quarter comebacks. When you give the ball to number three, you expect him to deliver. You know, Super Bowl 49 notwithstanding, uh, of course. In general, you expect him to deliver. Delivering is how you get paid. Delivering is how you become a starter. Delivering is how you stay a starter. As much as like, I think it's important to like contextualize how Geno's performing. That was his first start since the Vietnam War. You know, he hadn't been a he hadn't for real, he hadn't been out there in a while. He's a veteran. I do think that his job ultimately is to win, and I think that it's. Uh, I, I I was very I was curious to see the kind of reactions from because you probably seen some of it too, Chris. It was like a lot of um, benefit of the doubt given. It's like Geno, we got oh, you. Um, you know, you played hard. Well, and that's that's fine. I agree with all of those things. But I thought Gino's criticism of himself was the most important. He said, "We can't keep falling short. Got to win." And then he followed that his very next sentence: "I can't keep falling short." He said, "The defense has given me the ball two times with a chance to go win the game for my team. Two times we lost. Stop right there. That's that's where I'm. That's where I'm at with it. I don't really care what the numbers look like, to be really honest." You got to go out there and win the game. And like you said, what more can you ask for? A win. You got the ball with a – what, what's the two scenarios? You got the ball with like two um, minutes left against the Rams or something like that. And needed a change. Needed a touchdown. Needed 75, 80 yards. Yeah, yeah, needed a touchdown to win that game. And then this one, it was OT. Yep. And he, shoot, a, got field, the ball back. a field goal wins it. You got to deliver. Now, the pick he threw against the Rams, obviously Tyler Lockett falls down and not really – 
nothing you can do about that when your receiver flops. And I do think he. Oh, I'm 100. I, I think he flopped. Yeah, yeah he try to draw a flag. This one though, and I do think this is where. I think if you were someone who was like, ah, let's see what Gino can do. Maybe we can just live with a Gino and free up the cap space with Russ or get some <laughs> picks and build around like. Okay. It's the difference in guys. Not saying Gino can never win a game, but like it's these moments right here. Got the ball, go score. Matt Hassel back. We're gonna get the ball, we're gonna score. Uh, Why you have to do that? I, it just makes me think of that every time there's a coin talk. What happened to end that game, I thought was inexcusable. And I feel like I'm in the minority in feeling that way. You shouldn't be. You can't fumble the game away, right? You gotta know. And those certain he said it, I was trying to tuck the ball, he's gonna slide. You're doing all those things, but ultimately, that's not what happened. It ended up being T.J. Watt, who was triple teamed. He had, who was the right tackle that filled in for Shell, Jermarco? Uh, Shell came back. Oh, Shell came back. Shell so came it was, back. So it was you got Gabe Jackson, Kyle Fuller. The, the line was the same. The only person that was out, Damian Lewis. T.J. Watt was triple teamed. He had Shell on him. I believe it was Gerald Everett and D.J. Dallas sort of in the picture. Yeah, D.J. Dallas was in the back for the chip. He goes up because he's getting ready to take off. And he didn't have the radar. The radar was not rolling saying, oh, T.J. Watt incoming. He didn't feel the the awareness wasn't there. And that comes with just repetition. I mean, he hasn't played and hasn't started in a very long time. So I understand from a certain standpoint that he didn't feel something coming. He didn't feel all pro about to lay him out and go for the ball. If that was Russ, we don't know what happens. But it wasn't Russ. It was Gino. And in that situation, you got to have that sense. You got to have that urgency that, the clock is ticking. You got to protect the ball. That's the easiest you way to, to say pre- it. Even if you get hit, you do you have to see pre- how he was holding the ball. You can't yeah. hold the, You can't hold the ball like that. It needed to be two hands tucked high and tight. Whatever you high and need, tight. It needed. It, it needs to be For protected. Watch on YouTube. Hold it up here. No, it needs to be high protected, and, and it wasn't. And that ultimately caused him the game. And I'm thinking, damn, two weeks in a row. That hurts. Now, I, and I, and I, watching him with his face on the turf. Um, Tells you the story. Yeah, I've, 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 I, I'm a human, right? I did feel bad. Like that's why I, you have empathy. Yeah, I, I screenshotted that moment in my brain to be like that. I do feel bad for them. Like he's a human being. That's a very emotional time. It hurts, and I understand why everyone else feels that way too. End of the day, though, yeah, go get it done. Yeah, the, it's about wins and losses here, not about anything else. Yeah, no, the I mean, Seahawks would, would love to be three and three right now. The effort and the hard work and the team believing you, all that does matter too. Mostly at the end of the season, we're evaluating who should come back and who shouldn't. Like, you know, or whether you should keep a coach. Like, are the guys still playing hard for him? Like, those things matter. And guys still are playing very hard for Pete. They fought back. That was a, that was a fight to come back. But you got to get done. You got to win. And I'm glad. And I don't feel like it's being, like, overly critical or, like, it's too binary. Like, you either win or you lost. But at the end of the day, it is. Like, you got a 2-4, and four, Chris. It's 2-4. Two 2-4. And, four. Two and, four, and now the big question is... Where does this team go from here on out? Because next week on Monday night, you got the Saints coming. They got the Saints. And you got the Jags. That's, and then we've kind of assumed Russ is coming back for the Packers game. But we but don't I feel like know. I sure, yeah, I sure. It might be. We don't know that. And if he does come back too early, what's the say? Doesn't hurt his finger again. Like, it, those are things you really got to think about. At this point, with the season going, how it's going, if I am Pete Carroll in this offense, or this team, I should say, I'm saying I don't want to bring Russ back until he's 100%, not 90. I don't want any risk. Wow. For bringing him back, I want him 100%. I know it's a game and any play can happen and someone can get hurt, snap a finger. But if I want to have Russ for the remainder of the season, I'm bringing him back when Russ is good to go. Doctors cleared him. That's that's kind of it. Well, I'll, I'll bring him back at 9%, honestly, if he's because 9% of Russ is better than 
100% of a lot of other people in the league, and that's just how good I think Russ is. The the issue is, how good is that finger going to be? That's not my, even how, not, not in the durability 100% in the it. finger, man. I want 100%. I want to be able to throw the ball. If he can't do that, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll, like, have, I'll just have to deal with whatever cards that I'm dealt. But to bring him back early, that could prolong the injury. That can cause more damage, whatever the case may be. Right now, the Seahawks sit at 2-4. and four. Their defense on Sunday played pretty good, played okay. There were times that they could have made plays. We can talk about the Jamal Adams, two dropped interceptions, the one that fell right I, through his lap. I didn't I get a good look at the first one. I it thought was, Daryl it, missed that. It was bad in the Jamal. air, and he got undercut. So when he was going for the catch, he kind of opened his arms. When you get undercut, you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to catch this ball. You're trying to protect yourself from when you, for when you fall. I get that. The second one, I didn't, I didn't, I have to watch the replay again to see where Jamal, I, where Jamal Adams' eyes were, but it looked. Oh, the as second if, one? That was, yeah, it was maybe, on the receiver. That was I okay. That now. I rewatched the game. Okay, yeah. It was, it was, it was, if not, it was on the receiver, good. then I can't be mad at Jamal because he's trying to make a big play. But if he had looked up earlier, maybe he can get an interception. Well, not maybe. He would have got an interception. My goodness. Been through a laser. That's a that's a potential pick, pick six. six. Yeah, uh, that's a potential game. And he's gonna go back in the film and look and be thinking, "Damn, you know what I gotta be better at? Knowing what's going on, knowing that, okay, I'm gonna be in position. I see the quarterback getting ready to throw. I can make a play on the ball instead of making a play on on the opponent. Kind of what he did against the 49ers when he laid out George Kittle. That was perfect. Bang bang. He saw what was going to saw what was going on. Saw the pass being delivered and went to attack Kittle. This time he just saw player and that was it. I don't know if he even knew the where the ball. Well, he didn't again, Chris, because he got hit in the face, man. Got hit in the face with the ball. With yeah. that being said, he's gonna look at the film and think, "Yeah, I have to be better in those situations. I got to know where the ball is, who's throwing it, all that." And if he does, that is going to be a pick six next time because he was in position to do so. He just wasn't, and he was looking at cleaning a guy up. I think it might have been Deontay Johnson on that play, and ultimately, he missed. He whiffed, misfire. So, the reason I wanted to start with Gino is when I rewatch a game. I just told Chris this too before we started recording. When I watch a game, I re- uh, so I usually get back to my hotel or whatever, I get back to the crib if it's a home game, and I rewatch the game. Usually it's just the broadcast copy because that's all I got. I rewatch the game, and I'm not usually looking at one particular player. I do that later. Um, I just watch the game, both sides of the ball, usually in full. Take some notes, write my follow day follow uh, follow up story the next day. Usually, I watch if they won. All right, how'd they win? How'd they really win? Like I obviously watched it in real time because I'm there. But I want to know some more details. And then if they lost, what cost them the game? And the reason I want to start with Gino is I feel like when I watched the game, now the when I watched the Rams game, it was a f- few things there. That felt like a that felt like more of a both sides thing. Yesterday I was like, well, it was a very two evenly matched teams. I picked the Seahawks to win by one point. Yeah, 23-22. I was mm-hmm. very close to being on the money. They would fade one 23-20. I've been Crazy. Uh, I thought it was two very evenly matched teams when we watched the game. Both teams made a lot of mistakes on both sides of the ball that led them to where they were. Uh, ben can't throw it downfield. <laughs> that's that's a problem. His O-line uh, held up really well. Seattle's O-line was not playing well, then turned it up in the second half. Like, I watched all these things. Defense made some mistakes, which we'll talk about, like some scheme stuff where you got Benson on a, on a running back, a goal line, bad idea. But when I, ultimately, I was like, well, they had a chance to win the game. Fumble. And the quarterback fumbled. And they lost. So I start there. And I get to um, where we go from here at two and four. 
that can't be it. It's got to be like the other games, it felt like there's other stuff. Like the Vikings game, it was like a bunch of things went wrong. Can't couldn't, stop the run. Couldn't can't cover. Stop the pass. Couldn't score in the third quarter or at all. They hadn't scored in the third quarter at all, I don't think. Um, no. In the Vikings game, their second half offense was just atrocious. Uh, like there was a, a, a bunch of things. In the re- if there's any reason to be encouraged, and this is also I want to start with Gino. I forgot to mention this. It's that if ultimately I felt like that was there were one or two plays away on just one guy. Like the Vikings game felt like such a problem because everything was going wrong. You trade flowers didn't even know what was going wrong. There were so many things going wrong. My man ain't played since. Right? Like there were so many things going wrong. Guys declining and talk to the media, which guys did last night too. Um the encouraging part, I think, is that. They are right there. Speaking of right there, last year you said because they were winning games by one point, it was all these close games. Yeah, they were. They were and the nail biter kings. You literally year. said because they could be, you know, two and five at this point because that's how many close games they had won. I think their first eight games were decided by, I'll say, five points last year. Less. Yes, I could to start you. the season. Yeah, last year was and pretty. You well, except for the Falcons game, that was that was a they beat the Falcons' ass. Yes. But yeah. You literally said it could easily be just lost all those games and the whole thing switched. And well, this yeah. season, that unfortunate fate has kind of loomed its ugly head and said, yeah, all those games you won last year, you're not getting the same bounce. You're not getting the same tips. You're not getting the same throws or same calls. Or blown every- blown, blown plays by the defense, yeah, which is what's happening a lot. It, when you go back and look at the rest cooking, it, it was a lot of bad DB it play. It literally has switched, and that's the scary thing because – it. It's a game of inches, man. Anything can happen. And last year, everything went their way. Well, you you know what also went their way? Having Russell Wilson. Yeah. And when you don't have him. You also touched on that. You said, damn, Russell's been perfect. Knock on wood. Yo, he was he was money last year. He was masking a lot of deficiencies. They were scoring like 30 points a game. And, getting, getting, and they were only winning by like three or four. Yeah. <laughs> they were giving up 30 balls. Uh, in this game, they didn't do that. Um, and they just only scored like, like 20. But I think, because we talked to a lot of guys after the game. And you talked to DK. DK was a little spicy. He didn't like none, oh, he didn't like none of my spicy questions. Spicy with Shannon today, too. Yeah, the Shannon Sharp thing, seeing the Shannon Sharp stuff makes me realize what he was, because he didn't like any of my questions. I think I asked. Um, which yeah. I asked, asked me. You you lose two games well, in a row. Yeah, I, well, I asked him. <laughs> what did I ask DK? I asked DK, what did you say to Gino after the fumble? Because I saw him talking to him. He was like, keep your head. I told him, keep his head up. You know, he's not he's not the reason we lost. Like, um, Which is fair. He's not the only like that did play a part, but like it was other other things. Um, and then I said, well, w- what was that moment like? Like when you knew you guys were basically going to lose, what did that feel like? He was like, he was like, that's when he responded to me. He was like, well, you lose two games in a row or whatever. And then you tell me how you feel. Um, and I was like, all right, well, how do you guys feel right now? Just as a whole at, at two and four, you know, as a team. He was like, I can't tell you how we feel. You know, we lost four games. Very spicy answers. And then I think I closed it by asking, what is it going to take to turn this around? It's a very softball question. Uh, and he said, I wish I had the answers. He had the answer. He just didn't want to tell me the answer. And then the press conference ended awkwardly because everyone saw that and was like, we ain't asking DK nothing. Nothing else. It was like, <laughs> Mike's out here. We're, they left me out to dry. <laughs> but it's cool. I don't, I don't really care. I, I thought that was fine. Uh, but then I saw the Shannon stuff the next day. I was like, oh, he's just spicy. He's yeah. just in a mood. It ain't got nothing to do with me. You never mad. really know because I don't know DK like that. So never really. now I just know he's being spicy. But everyone else, though, was pretty measured. Like I asked Will Disley. I was like, Will, great question. How you start finishing? Yeah, he's like, shoot, man, that's a good question. And he, he gave a really good eloquent answer about your mentality and talked about all the good things they've done. Even Bobby was like, yeah, I mean, look, we 
defended the pass really well. I thought they actually did a decent job on Najee Harris. I don't remember what the uh, twenty four for eighty one. Um, did okay. Actually, that's that's it's not bad. Not not bad. Um, Was it less than four yards a pop? Like three point eight? I can't remember. Um, but like, I didn't feel like. Like the Derrick Henry game, I felt like they lost because they couldn't stop the run. This game, I didn't feel like they lost because they couldn't <laughs> stop the run. My man had three touchdowns. Well, he had 182 <laughs> yards. It was that's the best I've ever seen a running back play ever. That was ridiculous. Uh, but I didn't I didn't watch this game. Man, there's so much wrong. I don't know what's going on. I really just felt like, man, if they had just had Russ. They would have won. Yeah, and they won't have Russ the next two weeks, so I guess it's not the super encouraging thing. But I also think they're... Next two opponents aren't very good. I'll, we'll dive into the Saints later in the week. But I do think that is the reason to be encouraged that it does, it, this loss didn't look like the other ones. With the exception of like a turnover, obviously, by, by Gino, I felt a lot more things were wrong after the Rams game. They couldn't, they couldn't stop Cooper Cup to say they like. Or it was Robert Woods. It was Robert well, Woods. To be honest, no one could stop Cooper Cup at this rate. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Cooper Cup is a bad... That's a, Bad white boy. He said that with Jordan. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is cold. Uh, well, no, you said to him and Hunter Renfro know each other just because they use implying that they know each other. Because they run around. No, because they white. No, because they yes, have. He was the... asking if the white receivers know each other. No, it's continue. Cool. No, continue. That's, that's fine. Anyway, <laughs> I felt a lot more things were wrong after the Titans game. I felt a lot more. Th- I, coverage was a big issue. Um, that was a bad Trey Flowers game. Uh, I felt like a lot of things were wrong after the Vikings game. I felt like a lot of things were wrong after the Rams. I feel like the thing that went wrong there can be corrected that's where like whereas if you had told me mike they're two and four they're kind of screwed i mean they are kind of screwed no they're they're not kind of they're they're, they are screwed they're They're in a very bad position continue this is not the two and this is not like the really bad two and four that it feels that it would feel like if you'd have told me that in week one like mike they about to they about to lose it's about to get pretty ugly like that now the flip side of that is of course before we get to twitter questions Good teams find ways to win. Bad teams find ways to lose. And they're finding new ways to lose. But I do think because of what they did on defense and offense in the second half of that game, stuff that I do think is like they can replicate. Very simple things. Yeah, put Trey Brown on the field. Trey Brown, the run game. I mean... I was thinking, so I'll just peek into my notes how I track the game. I, I track it. I don't have my notebook in front of me, but I I, I, I keep a play-by-play by hand. Um, I'm showing everybody on YouTube. I write on my hand. But uh, I write UC or SG every time um, the Seahawks have the ball before every play, either they're under center or shotgun. Or if they go empty, I write empty. Um, and I was writing that in the first half, and I was like, man, that's a lot of shotgun. And I'm tracking it. So it's like, that's why when people tweet us things after the game or something like that, it's like, why did they stop doing this? How come they stopped doing it? Well, it's like, I have the numbers. You're actually kind of wrong. Your eye test is telling you something wrong. But anyway, I was right. I was like, man, it's weird. They're not getting Then I can see the success rate. Oh, look at all these UCs that are Alex Collins, five yards. UC, 41, seven yards. Like, I can see it. And then it just went away. Right. I don't think they ran the ball at all in the second quarter. I'm not, no joke. I, really, I think there was like literally zero run plays uh, in the second quarter. So I was in the third quarter. I was like, "Man, they just run it. They'll probably win." They literally came out and just ran. <laughs> they they threw it one time. It was a boom, ten boom, ten play boom. drive. They ran it once. No, they threw it. <laughs> or once. threw it once. Threw it once. A little and that was a DK, DK. and, and got if, nine yards. For all we know, that might have been a call run. Yeah, <laughs> Gino might have just been like, "Yo, I'm throwing it." I got fourteen over here. So it was one of those things where I was like, "Okay, that's how I know they can repeat that." 
because when they do go under center, their offense is a lot more dynamic. The play action works a lot better. That's when you see a lot more of the motion and stuff yeah. like that. And then on defense, I was like, play Trey Brown more. Simple. Yeah, I was like, because I also keep track of personnel changes. So like when Jamarco was in, I write 73 LG. You know, he's in instead of Damian Lewis. So I keep track of all that stuff. I kept writing 23 LCB and Sidney Jones. I'm like, where the hell is 22? He should be out there. I just watched 22 play really well on the drive and never played again. Yeah. Put him back in. What do you know? Put him back in. Thing, Game saving stop. Yeah, I, th- I just thought that the the way the things that they turned around, they did some other stuff too, but I came out of there thinking these guys are screwed. But like I walked down to the press room thinking these guys are kind of screwed. And then I came out of there thinking they're still screwed. But they're screwed because their margin of error is non-existent. Yeah. They can't afford for the ball to not bounce their way, a, a, a taunting call to not go their way, a holding call to, that's bad to just not, to go against them. They really can't afford the the human element of the game to just not go in their favor. They need literally everything to bounce their way just to be a playoff team. And that might not even be enough. But that's why they're still screwed. But I came out like just hearing the guys, they kind of reinforced, perhaps unintentionally, the reality of it. They do got good players. They fixed a lot of things that were a problem. Um, they can do those things going forward. They can run the ball. Um, Gino can make throws. Boy, that throw he threw to Tyler Lockett in overtime over the linebacker. That in front was of perfect. The yeah, it was over the linebacker. Bush, great Woo! play. Great throw. He can make those throws. Yeah. Put he, him in position. Don't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He can, make, he can make those throws. Their, their, their O-line can take over a game like that. They were still able to run the ball when they lost Damian Lewis, who's probably their best run blocker. Real quickly, it's funny you mentioned that. Because coming out of the break, you know, during halftime. Mentioned what? Mentioned the Seahawks running the football and how oh, they yeah. did it. Tomlin, because they do the little report where I forget who did it. I think it's Michelle Tafoya. Yeah, it's yeah. Tafoya. She talked to Tomlin. He was like, oh, I'm expecting the Seahawks to throw it to DK. And oh, he said that? It. Yeah, that's what he thought. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then next thing you know, I'm like, they're trying to run down your throat. Well, they were down two scores, so I get that. You saw what happened. Uh, it yeah. became one score in a matter of five minutes. Uh, Yeah. And I see why Pete was... Yeah. He knew Adamant. he knew that, okay, Tom's going to come out going too high. He's going to think we're going to throw deep, which you definitely should. But you know what? We're just going to run the ball down your throat. And they did that successfully and made just changed the game right there. I do. So, like, that was a long-winded way of saying, like, I do think there is, like, some reasons for some hope, even without Russ. Because I do think Gino can get it done. He just has to know, like, getting it done doesn't mean, like, it's bottom line. It's, did you win the game or not, bro? QB wins are not a stat, but like you can definitely be the reason as a QB that your team loses the game. And that may have not been the case in totality against the Rams. I do think like at the end of the day, when two teams are evenly matched, it's one or two plays going the other team's way that decides. And one he was responsible for the one play that ultimately. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It cost him the game, I thought. Yeah. I, I think like go, defaulting to Jamal's play or DK's fumble is far less consequential than the fumble that ended the game. <laughs> Yeah. In my mind, and Gino acknowledged that too. That's like even hearing Gino, he looked. I wasn't. I was the one who asked him the question that got the answer. He looked at me and said, "I vow to be better." He's not vowing to me. But, He's you know, vowing to the team to, to for himself. He's like, yeah, he wants to I'm win. I'm gonna be better. I gotta he win the game. To win. He's right. Well, let's win here on these Twitter questions because we have quite a few. Let's get through them. Got tons. So I'm not gonna say any names today, but we're gonna answer Twitter questions because we got a lot. We'll start things off with the Hawks not using the tight ends. Mike, what's going on with? Everett, for example, he only had that one big reception. He tried to get a carry. That didn't work out. Why aren't the Seahawks using tight ends and including Jared El- Gerald Everett in that? Yeah, you know, and this is where they need to use Gerald more. I mean, I, I think Will's like a great uh, blocker, but like when I say use more, I mean like get in the huddle and say the ball's going to 81. And if it goes somewhere else because of the coverage, so be it. But like I think that's what when we say use more like we just think of it as just targets i think legit plays should be called for jerk like i do think that like the pot pass to, to open the game i lost a yard but i actually like that get the ball to gerald my man been having covid he didn't miss the last two games give him the ball in the first play i actually did like that i like that um it just didn't work but good thought process but I, here's one thing that when Pete carroll talks about balance this is why I've, this is where me being a Wazoo fan kind of opened my eyes to this. And because Mike Leach would make a really good point about balance to me. Balance is not giving one running back the ball 20 to 25 times and then letting the receivers divvy up 25 targets. That's not balance. Um, you're like Alex Collins, 20 carries. DK, Gerald Everett, Tyler Lockett, Penny Hart. And Freddie Swain, I think, combined for about 20 targets. That's not that's not balance. That's one guy getting the ball as often as like four or five dudes, three of whom are like clearly better than him. Now, a run play is like safer than a pass, but there are ways to get the ball to your guys that feels like more of an offensive balance. Like when I bring up Mike Leach, guys, I know the air raid, blah, blah, blah. He threw it around a lot. But Mike Leach's theory was, if I can get eight guys the ball like eight times each that is balance that's offensive balance if i just run it to alex 20 times and then dk and tyler have to split 15 targets and then gerald has to get his and then the other backs and then the other tight ends that's not balance that's where i think that pete's philosophy and balance or whatever and he's not the only one half these head coaches that ain't brandon staley probably think this he's the only one playing madden rules chargers coach he is i love that dude he is that man went for it on like fourth and one from his own like 19 he gets it yeah no nah, he will oh yeah he understands like you say he got he, he didn't get any of the fourth downs ravens was on that boy but my point is when i think of the tight ends i just think of that as a whole like balance is not run it to chris 25 times everybody else figures it out and splits 25 dropbacks that's not balance that's not how you execute your playmakers i look at these other teams i tweeted last night deontay johnson must be on big ben goddamn fantasy team he was thrown to that man every other play because like i said i track everything by hand so i'm feeling I, I don't do names i write seven to 18 either incomplete whatever i wrote seven to 18 
like 50 million times last night. And I'm just like, I'm not writing seven to 16, which would be Gino Tyler. I'm just like, how is this dude getting the ball? Damn balance. Like even them, they ran, they ran to Najee 24 times. That's just because Gino, uh, Big Bang can't throw. But I'm with you. I'm on board with the give the tight ends more usage. Mostly Gerald because he's so good with the ball in his hands, as we saw on the play he damn near scored on. Uh, on the 40-yarder on the play-action pass. But my my real gripe with Pete's philosophy is the idea that, like, a balanced team runs it as much as it throws it. I think that's dumb. Your balance should be how you get your best players to ball. And sometimes that's not going to be balanced because Chris, this may surprise you, and Pete Carroll, maybe some other people. Everybody ain't as good as everybody else. Yeah. If DK touches the ball 20 times a game and somebody else does not, is that imbalanced? Yes. Is that okay? Hell yes. You watch the Packers lately? They Devontae don't do that. They get a ball to two dudes. They give it to Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. And they win every game. Except for that they got smoked by the Saints. But the you guys, guys get my point. They force feed one dude. Offense is fine. <laughs> Works just well. Balance my ass. Give the ball to your best players. Balance be damned. And I think that is where me and Pete really disagree philosophically. And it doesn't have to be throw it long to Gerald every time. Like I said, first play was a pop pass. What was that play that you said that on the only throw on the DK? It was a quick one. Quick it. it was just snap. And don't go. even find the laces. Just throw. That's the yeah. That's about as safe as a damn run. Yep. I mean, you're not gonna throw a pick on that. Well, Russ did. No, that was a screen though. That was where they were trying to set up other blockers. So you're okay. inviting. This was just oh, this quick guy's go. playing nine yards off. Let me just Aaron Rodgers do that to Devontae all the time. Every time it'd be a design run play. And he'll look like, over. Okay. Hold on, that's 17 over there. Let me hold on, y'all. Hike. Yeah. <laughs> that's just. Come on, man. That's I think that is where the tight ends are, are not getting involved enough. But that's where I think Tyler Ty Lockett should be getting like 12 targets a game. For real. There's no way I should be writing. He got this, half. This Deontay Johnson dude is getting all these damn targets. And that's just not to like dump on this Deontay guy. I think he had like 100 targets last year. But he also led the league in drops, I think, last year too. My point is that the, when I critique Pete Carroll and the offensive philosophy, it's not about that I want him to be the Chiefs or some lazy take like that. I want them to maximize getting their playmakers the ball. And his pizza view of balance does not do that. And it's right now being reflected most obviously in how often Gerald Everett is not touching the ball. Whew, that was a long answer to that question. You're good. Were there moments where you could tell that Russ, that have rougher in the game, the Seahawks, might have had a different outcome? And also, good weekend overall because your Cougs won, right? Yes, go Cougs. Uh, don't know if we have a coach by the time this podcast comes out. That's a problem. But uh, yeah, I think that's also goes back to where I opened with, with Gino. And I think that's where we need to really appreciate Russ's value. I don't know if people just forgot that because of what he did over the offseason or the fact that they thought Gino was taller so he can throw over the middle of the field and that'll fix everything. Boy, was his passes getting batted down a lot more than Russ's do. I think that should be an argument. Or anybody who thinks that like your height influences how often your passes get batted down or what Watt. you can see. Gino had like four passes batted down. He's a foot taller. I think us. three of them were all T or TJ. TJ Watt had three, yeah. And yeah. Then another dude had one, 95. Whoever 95. Remember, I write the, the numbers down, not the names. Uh so yeah, whoever 95 had one. It was like four passes batted down. Gino, like seven feet tall. Yeah. Your height does not matter. But I think that was one area as well. Um other than other than that, when I watched it was just the end, really. And Russ doesn't win every game at the end, of course. Like I said, lost the Super Bowl because he threw a pick. But in general, I think you have to protect the ball. And usually you can count on Russ to do that. He's a very low interception percentage. He's very usually protects the ball pretty well most of the time, specifically in the clutch. So, again, Super Bowl notwithstanding, 
so yeah that was the that's why i went to open with gino it's like gino can be a good player he can be a capable player serviceable whatever words you want to put on it at the end of the day none of that none of these adjectives matter you gotta get it done you can't be the reason the team loses can't be and he's not the whole reason that's not my pilot but that play was probably the most important if you use epa expected points added or whatever that's the event it measures what um it basically measures impact the impact of your plays that was probably the most impactful play of the damn game i, w- I would look that up go to the next question but i'm gonna look i'm gonna look that up that's did, why i bring that up there. what did you think of jamal adams usage in the game <sighs> okay I need to try to make this answer very short because as you know chris jamal has become you know how you um you send somebody like a tweet or a meme you like get your band or what's up with your boy jamal's he's my man's now 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 everybody send me to mike what's up with your man your man can't cover this is there's a dm right now on my instagram hey man somebody was like ask jamal why he tried to catch the ball with his face <laughs> no i'm not gonna ask jamal that that's stupid but it's like now he the, the people know to send those to me now i'm the jamal apologist now i go on radio i go on tv i get on the pod i write it that's just kind of my that's that that's my role now i'll accept it. but here's my thing with jamal we talked about this with sam the thing i want to talk about yesterday though yesterday i thought it was a very good use of jamal they basically and they're like seven db package Did they talk about this on the broadcast yeah uh to be honest, I was so in tune to the game, I probably missed it. That's that's fine. Um, so they, they tried like a new 7DB package. They only used it a few snaps. But what it was is they took off like Carlos Dunlap. They only had three linemen. Daryl Taylor, Carey, and I think Rasheem Green. Basically said, Jamal, you're a defensive end now. It's third and long. Go get the quarterback. Um, and then the, seven D, the other DBs were uh, Ryan, Neil, Marquise Blair, Ugo, DJ, either Sydney or Trey Brown. I think Bobby's out there, Quandre. And it was basically like dime plus one with Jamal replacing an edge rusher. I thought that was really that was really good. And Jamal was a lot close to the line of scrimmage. He had a lot of tackles. I think he had a TFL. He knocked the snot out of Najee Harris on one play. Like, I thought he did his thing. Um, I thought that's a better way to use him in addition to some of the the too high looks that they were doing. Like that pick he should have had is in the is in a, I think that was in a too high, too high look where he's just coming down right on like that end breaker and he just should have. He should have walked to the end zone uh, on that. But yeah, I thought that I thought that was a lot better. I think he rushed the passer seven times yesterday. That number should still be higher. I think he should be double digits rushing the passer. But he rushed a lot from the edge a little bit more yesterday. That if you remember, Chris, he'd been coming up the gut. He did come lot. up the gut once and he almost got him. Yeah, no, he but he was coming up the gut unsuccessfully a lot earlier this year, I feel yeah. like. Like Derrick Henry was hitting him right in the gut. He tried to come up the gut against the Vikings. And it's like, bro, there's guards there. There's <laughs> offensive guards. You're not going to get through them. Come on the edge. See if you can get unblocked to go through a tight end or a running back. He got double teamed on his second rush. I was like, damn. Yeah, Najee and uh It was Najee and the left tackle. Ricky left tackle is uh, 65. Again, I write the numbers. But uh, yeah, they double teamed Jamal. I was like, damn, bro. You ain't got no sacks this year. You getting double teamed. But I mean, I think that's still because that's going to open it up for somebody else yeah. in theory. The Seahawks played with their rush plan a little bit yesterday. If you guys noticed, Brian Monet dropped into coverage. Puna Ford dropped into coverage. Bro, they sent they did two a, they did a pass rushers rush. and had nine people in coverage. Well, the, <laughs> the reason they were doing that is because Big Ben was getting... Quick passes. Uh, yeah, bro, real fast. Two seconds or less. The Steelers, pending what happens on Monday night, the Steelers in week six led the league in percentage of passes that happened in under 2.5 seconds. Now, the Seahawks were second, for what it's worth. Gino was getting that out quick, too. Um, 
because they were scared of the Steelers rush, rightfully so. My point of saying that is that's why that was kind of a funky like, yo, Mike, why are we dropping Puna Ford? Well, it's like, man, they're just like, why would we rush the guy if Ben's just going to throw it anyway? Might as well just have him drop. Um, and one of those third downs, Puna was right there, actually. He almost got the stick route, which would have been crazy. Imagine Puna Ford getting a pick. Pick that'd six. Be, yeah, that'd be true. that's a big pick six. Uh, but I thought you basically saying Jamal, you're more of a defensive lineman. You're still a safety, but you're more of a defensive lineman. You're more of a outside linebacker today. So you could be more impactful. He has run fits, run blitzes. Like he's, he had a chance to be more impactful. I just still, I want to see that pass rush number go up, especially now that Daryl Taylor is probably going to be out. I would imagine, I have no idea, but I would guess like for the year, like you get carted off. That's not good. Get carted off on a stretcher. That's uh, all right, so that means you got stretched off then. Whatever, you get what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I, I liked I liked how they used Jamal yesterday. We gotta stop piling on Jamal. Um, you gotta catch that ball though for sure. That was you can't let the ball hit you in the face. You just yeah, you, you gotta catch the ball. Him and DK have one thing in common. You know what? I was talking to somebody today, um, like a league source, whatever person, not someone on the Seahawks. They were just like Jamal is the defensive DK. <laughs> For real, I was like, all right, we're going to go to the next question. That was, I thought that was an interesting like comparison from an attitude standpoint, like the bravado and then like the, the game changing plays they can make. And then just like the the stuff they do that's like, damn, the plays bro. they don't make. Yeah, it. the plays they don't make, that'd be simple ones like catching the ball. Like DK had a ball, hit him in the face last yeah. year. Yeah, touchdown, hit him in the face, right here. Hit him in the, hit him in the face, mask. Like that comparison I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. The difference is one guy makes 17 million, so we care a lot more. And DK's on a rookie deal. Speaking of 17 million, we'll stay with Adams here. Do you think that the Jamal Adams situation will eventually end similar? Similar. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> wow. Uh, do you think it'll end the same way it did with Percy Harvin? No, because I don't think the guys like Percy. Well, uh, that's an easy one. Uh, no, I, I think Percy, who did he fight? Golden Tate. That's right. Put that boy in a in the trash can. Trash can. That's right. That's Cliff what Avril told that story, and it was hilarious. No, it was... Uh... No, he, he told it again on... Yeah, but Percy told it on Untold Stories with Master. Shout out to Master Bleacher yes. Report. Um, and then Cliff told it. Yeah, Cliff told his version of and it. It was hilarious. And then I'm pretty sure Percy fought someone else. He fought another receiver uh, before he got traded. Like they in, called him a pit bull. Like in August of 2014, before he got traded. I'm pretty sure. Like they just didn't like Percy. As the guys like Jamal. I think that here's a the my, guys like Jamal. Outside of that, eh, it's up for grabs. Well, that's why they had to move Percy though, because it was like this is no like a hostile situation inside our building. We can't yeah. have that, so you had to get, you get him out of there. But Jamal, they like the guy. They do. He brings good energy. He's a good player. Um, I do think that of all the players that have gotten traded for two firsts, I'm trying to think who are the recent examples? Tunsil, the tackle that got traded from Miami to. What about Khalil Mack? Did he? Khalil Mack was two first. Okay. Traded to the Bears. Oh, and then what about Jalen? And then Jalen. Those are the only... I can't... That's the only I remember. Recent ones, at least. There's obviously... There's way more going back a long ways. But in this CBA, I think those are the ones that that come to mind. Those... I think Tunsil's hurt right now. But the point is... It's... There's a reason that those particular positions were traded for. You know what I mean? That's a left tackle an edge rusher, and a corner. Premium positions, elite player. I don't know if Tunsil's elite, but when you're a left tackle, like he's a good one and that's enough, right? I just think that, that this reinforces all the people who are like, even Jamal, his best, 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 
the positional value doesn't warrant two firsts. And I think that is a fair criticism. It has nothing to do with Jamal, to be honest. That's an organizational thing. He didn't say, hey, man, two firsts. Who want me? It got to be two firsts. You don't do that. That's the, the Jets decide the price. And you can, as the buyer, determine whether you want to pay it. So I don't even think that's a Jamal thing. You mad at the organization for that? Feel you. But I just think what's going on now kind of reinforces that. And a lot of people made that point in real time. You know, and I agreed with it in real time. I just thought it was okay for them to press the button and figure it out now and deal with the consequences later, which I actually still think that because Chris, do I have time to make this point? Mm -hmm. Quiet as it kept. This is not the best explanation for trading for Jamal, but Chris, if they had them first round picks, what are the odds those dudes would actually be good? It is very low. Track history says, oh, next question. At this point, does it even matter if the Seahawks get into the postseason? They might get in, but it'd be hard to imagine this team doing anything. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, that's why it's like someone tweeted me today, and I, I agree. That's probably, the, I mean, it's obviously the best case scenario is get to the bye week four and four. But it's like, what does four and four get you? Are you like the eighth team in the NFC? You know, like maybe you sneak in as the third team in the NFC West and you're like the seventh seed going on the road to play. Who's the number two right now? Green Bay or something like that. Like, cool. You got in at 10 and seven. Now you go to Lambeau. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not big picture for this team. That's championship or bust. I don't think that that's doing much. We'll see. You never know. Um, what did the, the Bucks just, what, they ran the table as, what, an 11 and 5? They, yeah, five they, were, they were 7 and 5 and then didn't lose after that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they got in as the 5 seed. You know, we've seen some uh, 6 seeds in the under in the previous format make it. I think the Steelers won the Super Bowl as a 6 seed, maybe. Um, I think the Giants had to win 3 road games to make the Super Bowl in one of their Super Bowl runs, maybe 07 or 2011 or something. So, I mean, it, it's you can make runs. Like, it, it's not totally about, and again, you have Russ. I think that will have Russ, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'll... If he's not playing by the playoffs, then that's a problem. Uh, but, no, I think that's a fair question. We got It's one of those we got to revisit later, but I do think that if you're kind of already thinking a big picture, and it's like, Mike, okay, maybe we do go 11-6 by the grace of God, uh, like a strong, powerful God, <laughs> it gets to 11-6, because that would be, what, going 9-2 and two the rest of the way? Yeah, my math says they yeah. win some games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So even if by the grace of the most powerful, Almighty God gets you there, all right, it's fair to question. Okay, that Was means it worth it. That means we go to Tampa. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. That means we go to, uh, you know, Green Bay. Hell, it means we go to Dallas. Dallas is good. Although I saw Dak in a boot today. Off the calf strain, but yeah. Oh, he has a calf. Oh, that's okay. what they said. But if he's in a boot, eh, that's, that's yeah, weird. That's not good. That probably means that's probably more of an Achilles thing that he's mm. monitoring. Anyway, we're not Cowboys podcast, but like my, the point is, whoever asked that question, that's very valid. I don't know if we can speculate too far yet. We have to see what happens when Russ comes back. I will say this though: this the game last night felt like the Rams game, the first Rams game. So week ten last year, they lost. He lost 23-16. But if you remember, the second half of that game was when the defense turned it around. And the defense was good the rest of the season. Like the whole that they they held it down. They turned a corner that game. Now the offense turned the corner the other way. So it's not the best comparison in the world, I know. But this felt very similar. Like the defense feels like it's figured some things out. Now we'll see how the pass rush looks without Daryl Taylor. That's a big loss. Uh, but the defense can figure it out and turn the corner. That's half the damn battle because, oh boy, that defense was looking bad through five weeks. <laughs> if they can figure it out, that's good. Is Pete still running the offense? 
it comes down to the important decisions. It's obviously his agenda. No matter who's calling the plays, does it even matter who is the offensive coordinator? Man, we've been saying it don't matter who the OC is for about close to a year now. So, no, it's still a Pete thing. I mean, even even yesterday, so Pete doesn't call plays. Like, he hears the plays and he can, like, he can dictate, like, I want this guy in or let's start throwing or let's think we're going to go for it here or whatever. He can do things like that. Um, but Pete, how do I want to put this? He dictates, like, mindset more than anything. Like, in the second half yesterday, he saw the same thing I saw. He was probably writing UC next to his little chart. Be like, man, we're under center. We've been getting some yards here. Hey, but hey, Shane, come out running it. Shane just has to work with that. Maybe that's the mandate. Come out running it. Maybe he advises, like, let's do some mid-zone, outside zone, whatever, but whatever. Maybe he can get specific like that. But I imagine it's more just like, hey, let's... Let's start, let's start running the football here. Why sit Brown after a big third down stop? Okay, so Sidney Jones' injury definitely bailed Pete Carroll out on that because it looks like Trey Brown was never going to play again. It really does. After that, and boy, he was playing well. I don't know the answer to that question. I asked Pete what the plan was. He said the plan was just to rotate and whatever that means. He said we're going to put him out there in the third series and then just see what happens. And just, well, he played well. Play him some more. <laughs> but, he, but he didn't. In general, though, Big picture, I think Trey and DJ, two five nine outside guys. Love it. It's a weird thing to see in Pete Carroll football, but I do think that this that's the future. They have two guys who can cover, and I think someone actually I talked about Jamal earlier. Yep. Right about the usage of the dime package. You can put Jamal closer to the line of scrimmage without compromising the coverage unit because you do need Jamal back there in a lot of instances. You can do that when you have two guys who can cover like Trey and DJ. They're gonna they're gonna get beat. They're gonna have their plays where they make mistakes. That just happens, right? But in general, those guys can cover, as you saw yesterday, and they can tackle. Would seeing the struggles oh, motivate shit. Russ to stay in Seattle? Uh, I don't know about seeing the struggles necessarily. I, I'll say this: Russ getting hurt definitely threw a wrench in the whole all right, if we don't win the Super Bowl, Russ is out type of thing, or Pete's out, one of the two. That definitely threw a wrench. Which way it threw the wrench, I can't confidently answer quite yet. But I do, I do think it's very likely, I, don't, I may be jumping to another question already. I do think it is very likely, or at least in the realm of possibility, that this ends with a, we have unfinished business type of vibe. I do think you Marshawn get- Marshawn Lynch. Y- yeah, well- Yes, very so. Like with, if Russ, I could see Russ viewing the season depending on how it ends. There's a lot of games left, like eleven, I think. There's a lot of games we played, but I could see Russ viewing the end of the season saying, "If I hadn't missed those insert games here, what could have been?" And then wanted to come back to do the thing. Depending though, that depends on Shane, the defense, a lot of factors. a lot of there's a lot of other <laughs> factors there. But I do think that is on the table in a way that it was clearly not before he hurt his finger. He could still bounce though. Like also I'm on the on table. the side of he is out of here. I really hope they choose Russ. <laughs> Was the secondary more in sync with each other on Sunday night against the Steelers? I think so, and also don't think they had the same threat of the routes. They were like for for as much as I don't think like Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins are like world beaters at their respective positions. They are better at this stage in their careers. Tannehill as well, who I actually do think is very good. Um, they're all better than Big Ben. And Big Ben, and Big Ben, I'm being nice to Big Ben. Boy, my my Lyft drivers in Pittsburgh, 
what? They want that dude taken out back with the shotgun. Boom, he's out of here. Like, it's bad. So, but anyway, I say that to say they didn't have to deal with the same threat or the same concepts, but they did. They covered really well. And I'm this is just me with the broadcast copy and me being there. That's what I saw. I have to go watch the All-22 to know for sure to really see, like, how they were adjusting to some of the concepts that were beating them. But just in general, football's a lot easier when you got guys who can cover. I mean, it really is that simple. Like, DJ Reed got tried. He didn't give. He gave. I think one ball, one big ball. Yeah, it was the uh, he gave cover a, two. He gave up a twelve yarder in cover two, where he was the top guy, and then he gave up one twenty three yards, where he's the underneath guy, and uh, Jamal comes over. The top. It was a really good throw by a big man, probably his best throw that night. Uh, but football is a lot easier when you got guys that can cover. You ain't even got to be that much in sync. If Trey didn't know nothing else on his third down, but hey, Trey, make sure eighteen don't catch it. It don't matter if nobody else knew what was going on, right? Like that when you got guys who can cover and just do their job, this is why after games, guys tell us we just need to execute. We just need to do our jobs. No, for real. They, like I get why they say that. It is that simple. Hey, you got the guy in front of you. Don't let him catch it. All right. Ready? <laughs> Break. <laughs> you don't let him catch it. When you got guys who can cover, that's why coverage guys cost so much in this damn league. You have them. It makes everything you want to do easier. Speaking of coverage, defensive end, Ben Simeoa, dropping into coverage. Why that scheme? We saw it on that specific play. The Steelers went empty. We texted about it. Yes. Can you inform the listeners what actually went down and what could they can do differently next time they see that type of formation? So I got to see the whole personnel grouping, but what I told Chris in real time was when Najee Harris comes in the game, so if you're in your, I think they were in base, which is five linemen, I think. Um, no, I know of, five linemen is their base but my point is you have to account for they could run it that's why you have like a strong side linebacker Benson Mayo he's there to set the edge and play his run fit right because they could easily have done a toss to his side and then Benson makes the play and it's like oh great Benson was there right? you don't know what they're going to run you just playing the personnel you're not playing the formation now like Chris said text me after well once they say they were going empty and they know that this play has 10 guarding 22 they should have called a timeout or something. They could have done something. <laughs> something. <laughs> and rewatching the play, I see that's just a bad mismatch. I mean, some a good offense will find those mismatches, but I think that's one where I don't know how much time they had pre-snap, but that's one you got to avoid. Like, I understand the strong side. We got to stop viewing Carlos, Benson, Daryl, Alton. They are not defi- They are outside linebackers in this new scheme, essentially. Just view them that way. It's going to be easier. So you'll stop asking me why we have defensive linemen dropping in the coverage. Because that's what they are now. View them more as like a Clay Matthews, Von Miller, Khalil Mack. Edge, stand-up rushers, not hand-in-the-ground Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill guys. That's why they drop. And I understand why they drop, and that makes sense in a lot of schemes. You do have to avoid those mismatches there, though. That said... I don't know how many guys are guarding Najee Harris in that particular route. I mean, it's either going to be Bobby, Jordan, maybe a nickel. Uh, depends. But but I this is one of those where I don't want to defend the scheme too much. I, like Guys are all wondering, Mike, what the hell are we doing there? They're messing up. That's what they were doing there. Yes. You cannot have Benson in that position because that's one where after the game, when you hear a coach say, we got to put our guys in better positions, uh, that's one. Ding, 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 ding. Guys dropping, normal. That particular instance where you got 10 versus 22 right there, as you can see, remember, I write the numbers. You can't have that. You you, just, you have to change it, audible something, maybe Bobby switches something, communicate something, because that's that saves a touchdown. You have to yeah. you can't let them score a touchdown. The identity. What is the identity of this Seahawks 2021? 
Um, it's hard to say without Russ. Their identity's been Russ for so goddamn long. Uh, so it's just Russ. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, I'll say this. I will say that their identity, and if Pete Carroll has his way, which he does, he's the head coach, it's going to be what you saw in the second half. Run the ball, play action, don't let them score any touchdowns. That's what happened in the second half, if you really think about it. Pittsburgh didn't score any touchdowns. Alex Collins had, what, like 80 yards rushing? If something like that. He had 100 total. No, I'm talking about just in the oh, second half. okay. Just in the second half. half. He had like 100 yeah, he yards. He went crazy. I know that. Uh, Yeah, he had a really... I mean, and then you count DJ Dallas. I'm pretty sure their running backs had 100 yards rushing, even if it was not just um, Alex. They're going to run the ball, play good defense. They're basically going to be 2012 Seahawks. That's what Pete wants to get back to. Does he have the defense for that? No. Does he know that? I don't know. We will find out. But that is what the idea... If Pete has his way... That is the identity. Here, I'm looking at the numbers right now. Yeah, Alex had 16 carries for 82 yards. That's 5.1 a pop with a touchdown. DJ Dallas had four for 17. That's 4.3 yards a pop with a long of 10. Travis Homer had two for 27. So they ran the ball really well in the second half. And Pittsburgh did not score a touchdown. Najee Harris had 11 for 53 on the ground. That's 4.8 yards a pop. Um, Not bad. But Big Ben had 110 yards on 11 to 17. He's getting it out really fast, but not doing a ton of damage there. Uh, So... That's the second half of the game is what Pete Carroll wants to play. It worries me a little bit because, like I said, you need a good defense for that. Even if I think they're turning the corner, that's, I don't know, man. You got to force turnovers a little bit more. But, like I said, it helps when you got guys who can cover. I, start. Can, I cannot overstate how much easier life is when you can tell your corners, can you cover this guy? Yeah? Ready. Break. Get off the field on third down. They were five of fourteen on third down. The still was where yesterday, one of six in the second half. Football's simple sometimes. Get off the field on third down. Pete definitely looked a little irritated at the press conference. Just lost, but I think I get it. Is Pete feeling the heat in that regard? No, I don't think so. And then you know, I just we heard from him on his radio show and heard from him on Zoom today. I, I think Pete. Pete actually sounded really optimistic. I would really disagree with the irritated part. He just, he was upset that they lost and he was just like, man, we played our style of ball and we came down to just like one play, one or two plays. Um, and we just didn't get it done. And Pete's such an optimist and he wants to be able to motivate the guys in the locker room. And we think the coaches always have the right things to say. He probably got in there and was like, damn, man, I'm proud of you guys. I ain't got nothing else. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you said that in the press. I have nothing for these guys. Yeah, he said, he said, I can't tell. What am I supposed to tell them? We lost. We lost. We did. We played hard on D. We protected the ball up until one play. Um, we ran the ball well. Uh, they had some success in the throwing game. Not as much as they would like, but had some success there. Kind of won the line of scrimmage um, on both sides for a little bit there. And then didn't win. Now, that could, that could come into question. Maybe you should do some other things differently. Then maybe you'll win. But I don't think he was... At, he's Even the day after, you could tell he, he was like... We could take this one game at a time. We could make a turn. And that's kind of going what I was saying earlier. They did things in the second half of that game, in the game as a whole, that lets me know they can make a turn, at least on defense, and they can run the rock. You do those things, and I think it'll op- it'll make your life a lot, lot easier, specifically for Gino. Like, this is where me and Pete are kind of aligned. I said the balance thing is where we're not, but you do need to be able to run the ball. And you do need to be able to play some goddamn defense and just cover somebody. Please. 
oh the covers look so much better yesterday it really did. and this is just be like i said no all 22 just me being there in the broadcast copy of the tape i'm like whoo man that was that was a lot lot better and pete knows that too watching it again he feels like i feel right now they can build off that they couldn't build off a damn thing against the rams they could build off what happened sunday even though they lost lockett had seven targets but there was no connection what happened yeah i i, I don't think uh i'd have to watch all the targets again it didn't even feel like he had seven i know i rewatched the game but i wasn't rewatching a lot of tyler's targets in particular um there were some of them were defended well i do remember that there was a couple of pbus um i think he might have been the target on some of those that got batted as well so that shouldn't count it counts because like he's throwing it to somebody but like there's a target it's not nothing to do with like tyler's ability to get open or how they were necessarily covering tyler i just think like i said earlier there's no way in hell i should be seeing all these other offenses find ways to get their guys open so much like i should tyler had what 20 targets against the cardinals last year week seven uh, no that's a yeah. little uh, that's a, i think yeah 15 catches for like 200 yards uh yeah something, something like crazy that. yeah like three touchdowns or something he's not gonna do it every week of course not but like he should be in that double digit range of targets a week 10 11 he should be getting just touches maybe it's not you know give him that little pop pass throw him um he should get a couple of deep targets you know uh get him some underneath stuff you know run us a little little stick route boom just hit him there's no way tar- tyler should be getting a, a lot of looks I don't really believe in balance like that. I believe in getting your best players the ball, like I said earlier. And the t- yesterday wasn't even about like they were not on the same page because I think Gino and Tyler do have that chemistry. I think it's really just they're making it too hard on themselves. They're overthinking. It's that simple. You should sometimes. line up and say, this ball is probably going to go to two of the three people I'm about to name. Tyler, DK. We'll work the rest around. And then there should be some plays for Gerald in there. If we ain't doing that, then we'll run it. For real. Why use screens? They clearly don't work. So, this is another scheme thing I cannot defend. I just can't. I can't defend the Seahawks on this. And I asked Pete about this, and he seemed perplexed as well. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They're just not working. It was like, well, yeah, duh. So I'm asking. I mean, it's right after the game. Yeah, how's he supposed to know? I should have asked uh, on Monday after his, uh, on, on Zoom. But he probably still wouldn't have told me. He probably just been like, yeah, they're just not working. Throw them all out. Don't run them don't care what it is they're just not working well and you know what yeah throw all of their screens out like they can run screens but what they need honestly it's a copycat league copy whatever the who's the best screen team you think i, I can't really think right now probably the rams i know the rams use screens pretty well i feel like brady teams use screens really well i don't know how well the bucks are at screens uh right now i don't know how good honestly someone had a good tweet yesterday they was like there's no bigger gap than how bad the Seahawks are at screens and how good teams are at running screens on the Seahawks. Like the <laughs> gap there is so wide. Um, honestly, what the Seahawks should do is like, however teams are using screens against them, copy that. <laughs> do all, for real, because it works. Yeah. It works. Like the Seahawks be running screens and losing. You know how hard it is to lose yards in the screen? It did it quite a bit on Sunday. <laughs> Good God. Just throw all those out. And it's another one of those things that shows that the OC doesn't matter because they struggle with screen. That was a problem. That was a beef with Bev. That was a beef with Shoddy. And then now we're Starting to be an issue. six games into the Waldron thing. And it's like, maybe this, maybe it's not 
an OC thing. Maybe it has something to do with Pete or Russ or the blocking. I don't know. The O-line coaches. Who knows? All I know is the screens that they got in the playbook now stink. Stop running those <laughs> today, right now, and just go copy everything the other teams are running against you. Our last Twitter question. Oh, the last one? Last yeah. one. Where is Carlos Dunlap? Okay. How can I make this one kind of quick? Carlos is getting a lot of attention that I don't think he was getting last year, him and Jamal. He's also not winning a ton of one-on-one stuff. Um, But what's crazy is I think he's still been like there. He think he leads him in pressures. Um, I think he's, I think he's like second in QB hits. Like he's having an okay year, but here's, here's the problem. I think him and Jamal are in the same boat. You're competing against what you did last year. And last year you had impact. Last year you got to the quarterback. Yeah, get to the quarterback. I do think that he and Benson in particular, and this is where, this is a scheme thing that I would also, I, I, I get the 3-4 thing. And this is the last question. I'll expand a little bit. So the 3-4 thing, the five-man fronts, it does a few things. You're gapped out in the run game, so you know you can cover every gap. The other thing is you got, you're got you on the edges. Really, I think Bobby talked about this one at his press conferences. Remember, Robert Woods used to just kick their ass on the same little fly sweep for about three years straight. <laughs> and the Niners started running it. And the other teams figured it out. And it was like, everybody's just going to run fly sweeps because the way you guys are front is aligned, you don't know how to stop this. And then we're going to start faking fly sweeps and run play action, and you don't know how to stop that either. Change their fronts, make some other adjustments on the back end because the front dictates the coverage. Um, and they fixed that. Now, you don't see as many fly sweeps against teams. Maybe you see one every once in a while, like the Steelers got one. But you don't see them that much anymore. All right, well, now adjust to the adjustment. I think that the 3-4 thing is doing a disservice to Carlos Benson Maybe not Daryl, because I think Daryl can actually cover. And he actually doesn't cover that much. But Rasheem, I don't think that those guys are built like the three, four guys you want to be with. Remember I said, think Khalil Mack and Clay Like, look how those guys are built. They're a little bit different type of athlete. We've got these big, long guys who are strong. Not necessarily like good in short space type of thing. Like, KJ was really good in space for how big and long he was. But like... Benson, Benson looked like Josh Gordon out there. For real. Right. When I see the number 10, I'm like, why is Josh playing defense? They signed Josh again? <laughs> no, nah, they ain't signed Josh again. And the same thing with Carlos. Like, I was talking to somebody who like knows the Seahawks D um, pretty well. Um, used to used to work uh, with the defense. And he was like, he he uh, he texted me. He was like, yeah, I saw Carlos Dunlap guarding a receiver the other day. What, what? are they doing over there? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I mean, that's... I get the dropping thing. That is part of the scheme, and that makes sense. But I don't think with these particular bodies... They should be doing that. Yes. It doesn't happen as much as you guys think. Like, it's like single digits how much some of these guys are dropping. It's not that much. But when your pass rush isn't getting there, I don't agree with less snaps. Like, you can do it if other guys are getting home. But if your pass rush is bad, and you got Carlos Dunlap guarding running backs in the flat, mm, not a big fan. But you got to remember... Life's easier when you have other guys that can cover. Some guys need that underneath help on the outside. They need the Jamal Adams over there. They need a Benson Mayo underneath. They need an Alton Robinson underneath on the outside. If you got guys that can cover, you get to rush the passer a little bit more, which is why we could do a whole podcast about the cornerback situation and why they just fumbled that to get to this point. But right now, like they said, they got two guys that can cover. 
And when you have that, I think it opens up more stuff up front with, and with Jamal to end on the back end too, but it really just makes life a lot simpler. Because sometimes when you're, when you're sending those guys, you're also asking dudes to cover. And if they can't, it's a problem. <laughs> you get what happened in the Vikings game and brothers get cut. Uh, so I think we're going to see some changes in defense. I think you are going to see more opportunities. Um, Big Ben is a little weird because he gets the ball so fast, but just going forward, Jameis, Trevor Lawrence, who's the next game? Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Kyler. I do think they're going to get after those guys a little bit better um, just because they don't get the ball as fast as Big Ben. He's getting it out fast. Uh, I think they're going to be better at it as long as they, as long as their guys are able to cover. You can cover. Pass rush will all work together. I remember this last thing. Carlos Dunlap, after the Vikings game, got the audio right here on my phone. I said, um, I said, when you get the pass rush going, is that going to turn the defense around? He said, yes, but it's not just us. It works together. Pass rush works with coverage, and coverage works with pass rush. He's basically trying to say, don't blame us. Yeah. Which, fair. Very fair. He's right. And that, I get what he was saying. He was... And I'm not putting words in his mouth, but I'll, this is my take on what he was saying. Mike, if they don't cover, I can't get to the quarterback. <laughs> That's what he was saying. And he's right. They cover. It all worked. It's all married together. One of the things Deshaun said, Deshaun Shed told me that he learned when he got on the staff, he learned so much more about how the fronts dictate the coverage. This is a guy who played on the team. Yeah. And he's still learning more about that stuff. Being in the coaches' meetings and seeing how the front dictates what's going on in the back end and vice versa. It's a marriage. It's a partnership. Like, you can't just have one stinky side and the other side. You know, Cliff, we've talked about that with Cliff Averill before about the what's more important, pass rush coverage. The answer is all of it. So that's a long-winded way to closing the show to say, I do think the defense is going to turn. And I think part of it, even if they lose Daryl, who Pete Carroll somehow says he can maybe play next week, whoa. But good for him if he can. It's going to turn if they can cover. If they can cover, Chris, it might not be that bad. Until they face Green Bay. <laughs> Damn, Chris. Because Devontae gotta... Adams is different. Yeah. And I'm just being 100% honest. You can't cover Devontae Adams. You can't Devontae cover Devontae is the best receiver probably in the NFL, even though A.B. is still showing yeah, he can do nah, it. Yeah, A.B. can ball. Boy. Week 10 is going to be like, woo, I hope the Seahawks do something different with the defense. But it's been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. That's a longer one. Woo. Yeah. They're getting longer because they keep losing. It doesn't get easier. Watch, they're going to beat the Saints and this show going to be like 40 minutes. <laughs> well, yes, we'll have some more talk coming later this week. We'll That's right. dissect we'll get the that, Saints yeah. and see what the Seahawks can do to try to get a win because right now it's 2-4 and four and things are not looking good, but there's a lot of game left. If Russ can come back and is healthy and the defense figures things out, maybe this team can get on a roll. But other than that, Mike, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I'm looking forward to – well, yes. I shouldn't say no. Nah. Yes, I'm looking forward to analyzing the All-22 watching some more of the Saints, and seeing really where... We're going to do another mail. We're going to field some more questions for our midweek show. That sounds like we're a plan. Gonna, we're going to field some no more. No guests, just us? That, that works yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, because I want, I want to hear more. I want it to be more conversational with the people because they want to hear from... It's like more of a conversation. If they can ask a question and we answer it, it feels like a, almost like a radio show. Um, but I'm going to dive into this, like, how Gino looks and how the coverage works and how bad is this 2-4 and four right now? Because right now, Monday, I feel not as, like I said, not as bad as it, about it as I thought I would. If you had told me when I got on the plane in Indianapolis, Mike, they're going to end up 2-4. I'd be like, damn, they're about to send me to Green Bay at this point. <laughs> but 
I feel thankfully all my flights are booked, but uh, I feel a little better about it. And I want to see if that remains the case after I watch the film because I'm a film nerd now. There it is. We'll catch you guys later. We out. Time to your bag and the color